0: What's up everybody? Welcome to church today. Come on, aren't you glad that you decided to gather with us today? Man, I'm so glad that you are here, whether you are here at Newark or all of our Hockesson family. Man, we love you guys. We're so glad that you're here. Newark, help me welcome our Hockesson family here today. Come on, we love you. And then our JFam Gathering Online. Guys, we're glad that you tuned in wherever you are. Glad that you get to be along for the ride today. And so glad that you are here. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. And it really is one of the joys of my life and my wife's life for us to be able to serve you guys and, and be a part of this church, this house that that really welcomes people wherever wherever you are and what you believe about God, whatever your life's been like up to this point. I'm just so glad that you decided to be here today. Out of all the other places that you could be, you made it to church today, and and I love our church for that, that it is so welcoming, and that's the heart of our lead pastor, Mark, and and you're going to enjoy your experience here. I'll bet if you lean in over the next couple of minutes, I think there'll be something for you before you leave We've been in the middle of a series that we're calling Mind Games, all about our mental health. And it's been giving us practical tools over the last couple of weeks to find strength for the struggle that's within us. And it was so powerful last weekend, we got a chance to put our lead pastor, Mark, on the hot seat, answering your burning questions about mental health, if you did not have a chance to be here last week, I wanna encourage you, go back on our YouTube page and watch them. I know they'll be hopeful and encouraging for you. Share them with somebody, send them to somebody. I know it's gonna be helpful, so make sure you go back and watch those at some point this week. Well, in elementary school, my dad came up to me whenever I was about seven years old and tried to convince me to join the local wrestling team. Because I grew up in central Pennsylvania, and in central PA, wrestling is kind of like the biggest deal. If if you're anybody who wrestles, most likely you're getting recruited to a D1 school, or you're going, you might eventually go to Penn State and win a national championship, or something like that. And I eventually said yes to my dad trying to convince me to wrestle, because I thought it was my road to professional athletic success. You know, I thought that I was gonna be a WWE wrestler one day, because it's real, it's real. I thought that that was going to be my path to success. And I remember the first couple of days of wrestling practice, I loved it. It was so much fun because at the end of every practice, we needed to work on speed and agility and reflexes. So what better way to do that than dodgeball? Of course, seven years old, whenever you're playing dodgeball, you're going hard. Like you're throwing that ball as hard as you possibly can. And I was having a blast. But then there were some parts of wrestling that I did not enjoy. Like getting hit in the face with the dodgeball that somebody threw as hard as they possibly could, or the fact that I just generally sucked at wrestling. It's pretty good reason for why I didn't like it. I didn't last very long. In fact, our high school won the state title the year that I I tried out. And the kid that I wrestled consistently because I was one of the bigger kids in the class, I had to go up against the kid that was pretty good because he needed a competition that was a little bit better or a little bit like bigger than he was. That kid eventually, when we were seniors in high school, won the individual state title in PA at 152 pounds. Like, I, I, we, we had a wrestling club. Like, people knew about our team. And I remember one time, our team went to a tournament, and my dad was with me. He took me, and I, I'm getting hyped up for the match. You know, I'm trying to do the jump rope. I'm getting all excited. Professional athletic success. We're trying to train here. Like, I know that this is my stepping stone to the big leagues. And uh, I decide that I'm gonna go out on the mat, and I get down, I'm ready to move. And within 30 seconds... I am twisted up into a pretzel on my back and pinned to the mat within 30 seconds. It was terrible. Remember, I'm terrible at wrestling. In fact, I came off the mat crying, and not like one of those, like like Pastor Mark mentioned a couple of weeks ago, those gritty manly cries. No, I was seven. So it was a, I want my mom kind of cry. Guys, if you make fun of me, you were seven too. And I'll bet you if you talk to your mom, if I talk to your mom, there's a story of you crying, coming off of some kind of wrestling mat of your own. Whatever it is, I feel like we are all wrestling for something in our lives. There's something that we're in a wrestling match for. And for many of us, that's our mental health. Some of us struggle with it on a daily basis. Some of us, it's seasonal, and so different times of year it becomes more difficult. Some of us, we struggle with our mental health when circumstances happen or different things are going to take place, whether it's a challenging season or or just a moment when when something kind of rocks our world that we were not expecting. But regardless of what your wrestling match looks like or regardless of what your mental health looks like, can we all agree that we've had a moment in our lives where we felt like we were just twisted up into a pretzel and pinned to the mat and we couldn't win? Like we've all had a moment like that in our lives And preparing for this weekend, I did a little bit of research about mental health, and I started Googling some things, and I wanted to know what some of the statistics out there said. And in fact, I learned that 51.5 million Americans struggle with their mental health every single day. That's one in five people struggle with their mental health. That's crazy how many people struggle with that. In fact, even the words mental health, have you noticed, have become kind of synonymous with with pain or struggle or hurt, and we don't know what to do about it. But what if we could get back to the positive side of our mental health? What if instead of being mental unhealthy, we could actually step into a place of mental health? What if we could arrive at a place where everything that we think, everything that we feel, and everything that we do could point us back to the way that God originally intended us to live our lives? What would that look like for us to have some peace inside of us regardless of what's going on around us? And so today, I want to look at a story in the Bible from the first book of the Bible called Genesis about a man named Jacob who I think helps us see God in the midst of our own wrestling match for our mental health. And so some of the backstory for Jacob is that he grew up in a family with a lot of family drama, like a lot of rough family dynamics. I won't ask you to raise your hand if that's you because you're with them today. So I'm not going to make you do that. But Jacob had a ton of family drama. In fact, he and his brother got into a whole altercation and there was a big falling out. He made some sketchy decisions. He runs away to live with his uncle for 20 years. He gets married. He becomes successful. He actually becomes very wealthy and eventually decides it's time for him to come back home and make amends, come back and actually fix the things that were broken. And so that's where we pick up the story today is that Jacob, after 20 years of being away, is coming back to see his brother Esau for the first time in 20 years. And he's scared that Esau is gonna take revenge on some of the family drama that happened earlier in his life. And we pick up the story, and you can kind of feel, even before the story begins, you can kind of feel the anxiety mounting for Jacob. You can feel this moment where Jacob is like, should I go, should I not go? What's gonna happen? How do I handle it? And here's how the story begins it says during the night Jacob got up and took his two wives his two servant wives and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok river with them after taking them to the other side he sent over all his possessions and this left Jacob alone in the camp he was by himself no one was around you had to imagine after this point that Jacob was pretty tired right like it was moving day how many of you have moved in the last 3 years and you remember man moving day is terrible You're exhausted at the end of a moving day. Well, add on to that his anxiety, his his family drama, the fact that 20 years have gone by and this is the first time that he's going to see his brother again. I can imagine that all he wanted to do was get a good night's rest by himself. Have you ever had a moment like that where you're like, I don't like everything that's going on in my life around me. All I want to do is just be by myself in bed with no one talking to me. Can I get an amen from an introvert out there somewhere? That's the only time they're gonna speak up in church because they're all introverts. I'm I'm an introvert too. Like there's moments in my life where I just like don't talk to me. I wanna be by myself and I I don't wanna spend time with anybody else. And it's in those moments when we feel too weary to keep moving or we don't know how to make progress or we just wanna be alone that sometimes we can take it a step too far, that I found myself there this past week as I was preparing for this message, I found myself in a place where I was getting constantly frustrated by the things going on in my life. I felt like I've been working my butt off trying to, trying to make certain things happen or get the results that I want and they just aren't happening the way that I expect them to. And so over the last couple of weeks or even the last couple of days, I've noticed that I've kind of distanced myself from people. I, I didn't talk to my wife very much. I didn't reach out to very many friends. I didn't really want to talk to anybody. I thought that I would be better off alone because, I mean, have you been there? Have you, have you had that moment where you're just like, I don't want to bother somebody else with this. I don't want to burden them. You know, I can fix it. Come on, guys. Like, I can fix it, I can muscle through it, it must be my fault, it must be my If I just work harder, if I just try harder, then maybe I'll be able to, to get what I expect out of my life. Or maybe you get to the point where you're just like, hey, I just need a good night's sleep. That's the only thing that's gonna help me, so I'm gonna put my head down, and tomorrow it's all gonna be different. Well, I'm sure all of those things went through Jacob's mind, and here's what happens next in this story. Says says, the man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Can we just all agree that's a cheap shot? (laughs) Cheap shot. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Weirdest thing to ever say to somebody who just cheap shotted you. Just calling the Bible what it is. Then what is your name, the man asked. He replied, Jacob... Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. In this story, Jacob didn't just fight with a a physical flesh and blood man. No, Jacob fought with God. That's what the Bible teaches us. And so Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. There was this moment where Jacob was wrestling with God where he didn't know what comes next, and, and he's, he saw God face to face. But can we all just agree that this story is weird? Like, let's be honest, this story is just odd. Like, why is this in the Bible? Why is there this moment where Jacob is wrestling and God pops his hip out, there's a cheap shot, there's something that takes place? The story doesn't even seem fair. Like it doesn't even seem like Jacob had a shot at winning in this situation, because God's the reason why he lost or the reason why he's wrestling in that moment. And as I was reading the story, I couldn't help but think, aren't there some moments in our lives where our wrestling match causes us to think, This doesn't make any sense. This isn't fair. I feel like I just got cheap shot by God. What am I supposed to do now? How am I supposed to move forward? And sometimes it makes us just feel like we leave the wrestling match with a limp. And we don't know what to do to make progress in what God intentionally wanted for us maybe we get to the point where we're so deadlocked in the wrestling match that, that we just get to the point after being so exhausted and so tired in the midst of all of our mental health struggle, we get to this point where we go, I don't even know why this happened in the first place. Like, I don't know why this is in the Bible. I think that there's parts of it that we can see and help, help understand God differently and, and things like that. But haven't you, haven't you left a, a situation or a mindset or been in a season where you're just left asking the question, why? Like, why did this happen? I know I certainly have. In fact, two weeks ago, Pastor Mark preached a message to kick off this series talking about the why question that we often ask, and I wish that I could answer that question for you. I wish so badly that I could stand up here today and I could go, I know exactly why you struggle with what you struggle with, and I think I can give you the tools that'll help answer that why question. And unfortunately, I can't answer it, just like I can't answer a lot about this story in the Bible, But I want to encourage you, go back and watch Pastor Mark's message, because I think that'll help give you some of the tools that are needed to answer that. But for today, what I want to encourage us to do is I want to encourage us to pivot from the why question, and I want us to start asking the question, how? How do we move forward? Even in the midst of a mental health struggle with, where our anxiety is elevated or our depression seems to be getting the best of us or our addiction seems to be rearing its ugly head, Like whatever it is, that's the moment where we should be asking the question, how? How do I move forward? How do I navigate this struggle? What do I do to put one foot in front of the other and take next steps? In fact, I wanna show you what I'm learning after reading this passage about the right way to wrestle the right way to wrestle. Because in the story, Jacob makes a critical mistake. He leaves himself alone. No family, no friends, no support system. They're all on the other side of the river. Jacob is alone. And I don't know about you, but too often in my life do I leave myself alone. Where I don't have somebody that's in my corner, that knows what I'm going through, That I'm willing to tell what's going on in my life, what's really going on, not just kind of the surface level, oh, I'm busy, but the real things that are going on and I find myself in places much like Jacob that I start to think that it's easier to be alone, but can I just tell you what I'm learning right now? That God does not intend for our lives to be alone. That God is a God of relationship and he both wants a relationship with us for us to have a relationship with him and then for us to have a relationship with his people. That's important that we, have, we get connected with other people and what's going, with what's going on in our lives. That's why the Bible says this in Proverbs. It says one who has unreliable friends will soon come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So let me ask you, which do you have? Do you have friends that when the chips are down, you know you can count on them and you can go to them and you can ask them for help? Or do you have friends that are a little unreliable? that are kinda out in left field and you don't know if they're going to be there. In other words, here's what I'm learning, that the right way to wrestle means we get connected. The right way to wrestle means we get connected. We get somebody else in our life that we don't do life alone. We say, I'm going to do it with someone else. How do we navigate the why question? How do we navigate the how question? How do we navigate the it's not fair season? How do we navigate the limps that we feel after we feel like we've been cheap-shotted by our mental health? It means that we get somebody that comes alongside of us, gets our eyes up off of our problems and sets our eyes on something bigger than ourselves and a story that God is writing for our lives that's beyond what we can see in this present moment. That's what it looks like in our lives. This past semester, I led a J group that I had a ton of fun with called Breakfast with the Boys. Breakfast with the Boys. It was spectacular. I'm pretty sure that the collective amount of breakfast meat that was eaten at these (laughs) breakfast things would terrify even the most casual vegan out there. It was a lot of bacon, everybody. It was a manly J group. That's what we did. We hung out, we ate bacon, we had, a lot of t- we had a lot of fun, and our goal going into the semester was that we would have fun together, we would open up, kind of talk a little bit about life, maybe get to the point where we talk about what we're struggling with and encourage each other, have that person that, that sticks closer than a brother, that person who can encourage us, and over the first few weeks, that's, that's not how our J group started, and it's often not how a lot of J groups start in those first couple of weeks, because it's, it's a little awkward at first sometimes. I mean, we got to the restaurant, and uh, all of a sudden, there were these manly handshakes. And then there was the studying of the menu as if there's a test coming. Because it's like, if I have to say the first thing, that means that this is weird. And that guy's weird, but I can't say that because this is a church group. So... I'm going to study the menu, and I'm going to mind my business, and that's, that's what it felt like for the first few moments of that group, and as people kind of trickled in that were new, that's how it felt in different moments, but then there was this one breakfast about three to four weeks in where I decided to test to see how were we doing as a group? Were we gonna get to the point where we started talking about real connection and having those guys in our lives, or did everybody just kinda wanna stay surface level? And it it was my moment to test to see what would happen. And so as I posed a question of like, what's really going on in your lives, kinda probing at it, there was this awkward silence for about three seconds, and then guys looking around the table like this, until eventually, one guy said, I guess I'll share. Those are some of the four most powerful words that can ever be spoken in a J group. That moment where somebody says, I guess I'll share. And it wasn't just powerful because he said, I guess I'll share. It was powerful because he followed it up with something real. He followed it up with the fact that his wife and him had had a miscarriage this past spring. And silence hit the breakfast table. You could feel all the air kind of go out of the room for a moment. As this guy who sat opposite of many of us was sitting there telling the story of what happened with him and his wife. And I mean, you could hear the clinking of dishes around, but you could hear a pin drop at our table. And I'm sure that that three seconds of silence had to feel like an eternity to him. Because it was that moment where he said, I just put it out there. What's going to happen now? And it was so cool because what happened next was that the guy sitting beside me went, oh yeah, me too. And somebody sitting across the table went, hey, my wife and I struggled with something similar last year. And it was this great picture, this great moment where one guy was willing to say, you know what? I'm going to take off the mask. I'm going to go first. I'm going to be the one to set the tone because I know I need this in my life. And the, and the guy was sitting opposite of other people that he didn't know, he didn't have a relationship with beyond just a couple of weeks in a J group. But in that moment, the entire, the entire trajectory of that group shifted because everything kind of changed. All it took was the boldness of one person to get open and say, I need somebody else in my life so I don't have to do it alone to be able to help us make progress together towards what God wants us to do. That's what it took. And so I texted him this week and I I said, hey, can I share your story? Can I share what what happened in our J group? And I, I just have to share with you what he texted me back. He said, We have definitely struggled with doubt, loss of hope, and a lot of heartache over that situation. And being in community with other believers and talking it out with people that love and care about us helped us tremendously with trusting in God that his plan for us is perfect and knowing that he will allow us to be parents in his time. What an amazing text message. What an amazing story that he decided, I'm not going to go through this struggle alone. And even even more, I'm not just going to expect my wife to be the only person who's gonna struggle with this with me. I'm gonna get some other people, I'm gonna get some other guys in my life that I need to be able to walk through this season of my life, to see God the way that he sees me, to see my circumstances the way that God is writing my story, and to know that I can come out the other side of these mental health struggles in ways that are beyond what I can understand in this current moment. What if you made a decision right now that you are not going to struggle with whether or not to tell somebody? You could instead divert all of that energy that you've been putting into, do I tell someone, do I not tell someone, do I tell someone, do I not tell someone? Do you divert all that energy into actually facing the struggle that you've been having in your mental health? What would that look like if you decided, hey, instead of struggling with two things, I'm just gonna struggle with one. I'm gonna struggle with my mental health and I'm gonna struggle well. I'm gonna get the tools that I need. I'm gonna make sure that people are in my life, but I'm no longer gonna ask the question, should I tell someone about it? What if you made the decision right here today, the right way to wrestle means we get connected, so I'm gonna tell someone. Then you can divert all of that energy into a different location, all of that energy somewhere else because the right way to wrestle means we get connected, we get connected and J groups kick off this week, which means that it's the perfect opportunity for a fresh start for you, for a chance for you to start over, for you to begin some of those relationships. Your life might not be different starting next week, it might not even be different three to four weeks in, but I'll bet if you are willing to say, I guess I'll share and go first, someone else might come alongside of you and go, oh, me too, And you'll have somebody that you can rely on and can change the game in your mental health. And let me ask you this. And this was a challenging question for me as I prepped for this weekend. What's the alternative? If if the right way to wrestle means we get connected, then what's the alternative? Is it just that we keep doing life the way that we always have? Not telling the same people not opening up, struggling with the same things that we have, letting anxiety or depression or addiction or an eating disorder control our lives. I would pose the question, isn't that the definition of insanity? Doing the same things over and over again and expecting different results? What would it look like if we made some decisions right here today that we were going to get honest and open with someone else, and we were going to be able to trust them to to come alongside of us, to be connected with us, and to point us back towards what God wants for our lives? because I think sometimes we get in this picture of like, well, I just need to be connected with God. Like maybe I just need to pray more. Maybe I just need to to be more honest with my prayers, or or, God, why haven't you taken this away? And maybe we start blaming God. We get to this point where we go, God, why is my anxiety so, so high? Why do I struggle with things the way that other people don't seem to struggle with them? Why did that thing happen to me? God, shouldn't you be the one to fix this in my life right now? Shouldn't you be the one to take care of it? And we've tried praying, we've tried going to church, but it just feels like none of it has worked. And meanwhile, God is painting a picture for us of what it looks like for us to move forward in our lives because he's a God of relationships and because the right way to wrestle means we get connected. That's what it looks like in our lives to get connected. That's how we wrestle well. Now, I'm not naive. I'm not naive to think that just because you join a J group today or just because you go to your J group this week, that it's gonna fix everything in your life, that in the next 12 weeks, your mental health is going to be completely different, completely healed, completely resolved. In fact, it wasn't for Jacob. Remember, look at his story again, in verse 31. It says, the sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Ultimately, Jacob wrestled with God and left with a limp. And you're struggling with your mental health right now. And it might just feel like you are just limping through life, like you don't know what to do, you don't know where to turn next, you don't know what's going to come after this, and and you might just feel like you are limping through life. And and you might feel similar to to Jacob in this moment. But as I was thinking about this this week, I couldn't help but have a moment where I, needed, I need to encourage somebody here today that there's a part of our stories where we might be walking with a limp, but that's not the end of our story. It's not the end of our story. If you read any book and you start scrolling through the chapters, you start looking, there's a a part in the story where things don't go the way that you expect, where the character has to battle something unnecessary or the character has to battle something more than what they thought they would have to. And so you've been thinking, hey, this is my entire story. I'm always going to struggle with my mental health. I'm always gonna struggle with anxiety or depression or I'm always just gonna struggle with this. And I'm here to tell you, what if this is just a chapter in your story? This isn't on the back cover when you read the story about your life that God is saying, oh, this is what the entire book, the entire story is about. No, this is just a chapter in the story and God has more for you than you can't see right now. In fact, it's true for Jacob. If you look at Jacob's story, Jacob was the forefather of some of the most important and influential Christians of all time. In fact, Jesus can trace his lineage back to Jacob. So if God can use Jacob's limp to write Jesus's story, what can he do with yours? What can he do with yours? Yes, you may be hurt. Yes, you may struggle. Yes, there may be something that you have to struggle with more than somebody else does, and I don't know how to answer the why question, but I do know how to answer, in part, the how question, how we move forward into the rest of the story that God has for us. It means that we get connected. We wrestle with someone else. We have somebody come in our corner and coach us and say, don't do that anymore. See this differently. God wants you to know this, and God takes all those parts of our stories. He takes the chapters, which are really good, and the chapters that are really bad and Paul says in Romans that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So God is writing your story and the end of it is good. Because if you believe in Jesus, what's the worst that could happen? You go to heaven. Why not bring a little bit of heaven to earth with you right now? means that if God is in heaven and God is a God of relationships, then the way you access a little bit of heaven on earth right now is you bring relationships, you bring that relational mindset to your life and you tap into something that God has always intended for you, always intended There's a moment that as I look back on that time when I was wrestling in elementary school, I I couldn't figure out why I was so bad. Because I was always bigger than every other kid. I was stronger than a lot of other kids. I wasn't quite as fast, but I felt like I could make up for it. And yet, I just, I always felt like I was twisted up in that pretzel, on the mat, pinned down, and I don't know what to do. And as I reflected on that, preparing for this message, I had a moment where something hit me, where I understood that season a little differently. I think that part of why I struggled so much is because I was always playing defense while I was wrestling. I was always trying to just not end up twisted up into a pretzel. I was always trying to just keep the other person at bay. I never attacked, I never went at the other person, I never tried to get them on their back, I never tried to wrestle them to the ground. And I think too many of us have been playing defense with our mental health. We've been stepping back going, God, will you fix this? I'm just not going to get hurt anymore. I'm gonna manage my energy. I'm gonna manage my emotions. I'm gonna keep other people at bay. I'm just gonna play defense. But that's not what God is trying to tell us today. God's trying to tell us step up into an offensive game in your mental health. It requires that you get connected. It requires that you open up. It requires that you put yourself in some environments that help you grow and take next steps. Defense never puts points on the board in wrestling. Offense does. So if you wanna win the match for your mental health, think offensively, because the right way to wrestle means we get connected. That's an offensive move in our mental health. That's how we win and take next steps. If you're here today and you say, and I needed that encouragement today. I need, I, needed, I need some of those people in my life. Would you raise your hand? Let me take a moment and pray for you. Come on in Hocas and raise your hands right now. If you're online, let us know. Let me pray for you. Open your heart up big to God. Father, we love you. God, we're so thankful for the opportunity to gather today and be in your presence. And God, I don't... I don't know how to answer the why question for so many people that are, that are struggling with their mental health. But God, I pray right now that you, would, that you would bring some people into our lives, provide opportunities for us to say yes, put us on the offense for our mental health by getting us connected with other people. God, I pray for people to walk out of this room, to walk out of Hokesson and sign up for a group before they get in their car. God, I pray that before people click off online, they click on the link to the the catalog and sign up to join a group. God, help us take that next step and then help us say those four words. I guess I'll go. And be open and take next steps forward. God, we pray it boldly, asking for your help in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's a part of this that I was thinking about heading into this weekend that we're all in a wrestling match for something. For many of us, it's our mental health. For some of us, it's something different. We're in a wrestling match right now. But I believe at the same time, God is in a wrestling match as well. And it's a wrestling match for you. He's trying to wrestle away all the other things that have distracted you from him all the things that have gotten in the way or the church hurt that you've experienced or the questions that you have that you just don't know the answers to. But there's been a moment over the last couple of minutes where you've sensed, God wants my attention. And I'm here to tell you, he wants more than just your attention. He wants your life. And the result of that, when we put our faith in Jesus, What that means is that our, sometimes the story, the chapters of our book that's being written right now still have some struggle in them. But we know that the back cover of the book says we go to heaven and we get to spend eternity with our savior. And so if you're ready today to take that next step, if you're ready to put your faith in Jesus for real, I wanna encourage you to pray with me right now. Come on, wherever you are, would you open your heart up to God one more time? This is someone's moment, this is someone's chance that they're putting their faith in Jesus and their life is gonna change today. So if you've already put your faith in Jesus, I want you to pray for those people right now. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus and this is your moment, I want you to pray after me. Just say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me and made me right with God. Write the rest of my story, but include yourself in it because you're now the leader of my life forgive me and save me today. And if that's you, if you just prayed that prayer while everyone else is still focused on God right now, if you prayed it for the very first time, would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand and say, I I put my faith in Jesus today. Come on, Hokesson, raise your hand. If you're online, let us know, type faith into the comments right now. And then Journey, can we celebrate people who are going to heaven? Come on, our family just got bigger. Let's celebrate.